in the book of Acts. We're looking at chapter 2, and we're looking at the activities and the practices of the early church, the earliest church, the first century church, so that we can uh, glean from um, what they did very simply and how it impacted not only their lives, but um, impacted the community um, all around. So we are glad that you guys are here today. So if you want to turn there in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2 or on your phones or uh, some little spot there, and um, we will get into it this morning. Today we're talking about the family of God and, um, and what it means to actually be the family. Uh, the early church... We read that they began together, they began to, um, you know, study God's word together, they prayed together, they worshiped together. Today we're going to talk about how they were united as a family, how they really just became this, uh, what they call a fellowship. Uh, this more than just, uh, you know, acquaintances, this actually was like a real family that, that, uh, that we see here in this early church. And uh, we're going to read together Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42. Again, these are the activities and the practices that we're looking at uh, of the birth of the church. And here it says in, in verse 42, And the early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to breaking of the bread and prayers. And all came on every soul, and many wonders and signs were done uh, through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and their belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. And praising God and having favor with all the people. <clears throat> and the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. Here we get this description. It's kind of a, um, a summary, if you would, of the beginning of the church. We had read a couple weeks back after uh, Easter, we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we looked at, like, how do we get from Jesus rising from the dead, ascending to the right hand of the Father, and 120 Christians, uh, believers, uh, men and women that were gathered there in the upper room on the day of Pentecost? Well, uh, the, it was the beginning of the church. It was the birth of the church. The Holy Spirit came. Uh, the apostle Peter, he preached a sermon. 3,000 people became believers that day. They were baptized, and many of them, instead of going back to their hometowns after the Feast of Pentecost, they actually stayed there in Jerusalem, and this was their regular, daily, weekly, monthly practice as an early church. They, they uh, studied God's word together. They, it says they gave themselves to the apostles' teaching, and they Study God's word together in the temple, uh, in little spots around the temple uh, where there was space, and then as well as in homes. They worshiped and prayed together. And these are really practices of a healthy church environment, right? Studying God's word, worship, and prayer. And then from that relationship, we see some of the fruit that came out of this connection that they had with God. Time in his word, time in worship, time in prayer. We begin to see how they relate to one another. Uh, something I, I read a, a pastor, he talked about the early church, and he said, you know, if we as a 21st century group of Christians could actually just show up there for a day and just mill around the temple with those believers and walk with them to their homes and actually just be a part of the earliest days of the church, it would revolutionize what we kind of see in our day and what we might experience as a church and, and help us to understand that there's so much more that God actually wants to do in our lives, but also through our lives. 
It says that they were devoted to the fellowship. And there's four things we're going to look at this morning uh, that were the things that they, I guess, the description of what it means to be devoted to the fellowship. Uh, First of all, I want you to note that they were a connected church. Their lives were connected. The word fellowship uh, in the original language, in the Greek language that with the New Testament was written in, uh, it's a word koinonia. We actually don't have an equivalent uh, word in the English language. We don't have anything that actually like uh, can be like a you know in, interchangeable word because the word means so much more than just an association. It, it means communion. It means the sharing, intimate sharing of one's life. We read that they broke bread together that they had meals with one another and eat fat different in uh, this time period. You know, meals right now, we, um, you know, we eat fast, right? We have fast food. We're at home. We got to get everyone, you know what I mean? Chicken nuggets, you got to get down so you can get to practice and all that. Meals in that time were actually, when you shared a meal with someone, it was like this intimate fellowship. It means that you had a deep relationship with somebody. And so they, they had this sharing of life together. They really did life together. They found delight in being together. That's a sign of a healthy family, isn't it? That when, when people actually like to be together, uh, they found delight in one another's company. Uh, it's, by the way, this is how we grow as, as people. This is how we grow as followers of Christ, is actually having connected lives. We grow in community, uh, having people in my life that I can learn from and, and how they walk with God and how they go through trials and, and how they continue to have faith and, and, and they learn from me, right? God uses people to bring his church, his family, his body to a place of maturity. We, we don't grow in isolation, we began our series talking about this idea that, that you and I have a personal connection with God. Like we can actually know God personally and intimately. To think that you could be the friend of God, that you could walk with him. But it's not an individual relationship. You and I are born into a family. We're all, a, uh, they, they grew together as a connected church. They, they were also stronger because they were connected. Think of the strength that comes in our life when, when people kind of know the, the real stuff that we're going through. Have you, ever, have you ever been going through something really difficult and then, and then there's real people, real believers in your life that are coming alongside of you, praying with you, sending you an encouraging text, reaching out to you? It, it, it brings a strength in our life that we just can't have as individuals just living out our kind of Christian journey uh, isolated and all alone. There's strength that comes in our life, uh, like linking arms together. How many of you guys remember, who grew up in the 80s? Anyone grew up in the 80s? Like PE in the 80s, somebody went to the nurse's office like every day, right? And then, especially in the elementary days, man, uh, concussions, slip discs, all kinds of stuff at Walters Elementary School. Uh, for sure, busted teeth. Do you guys remember playing that game, Red Rover? I mean, what a violent game that is. I, I don't know what they do in PE now. I, I don't know. I think they like look at each other's feelings or something like that. But uh, when it, back in the day, it was like, you know what I mean? And you just want, you didn't make sure you like linked arms with somebody like strong. And then you would go like, and then, but then you, you had to pick the, like not the big giant strong guy to come across. Red Rover, Red Rover, right? We call, you know, whatever over. And, uh, and then you just would link arms. And then it's just like, listen. This, like, band of brothers, we do not let go. And then, boom, 
somebody get clotheslined, and then they would be a part of our little chain uh, of people there. That's kind of what, honestly, is that kind of what Christianity's like? <laughs> Violent, blood, <laughs> broken teeth. There's definitely something about being connected with other Christians in your life that when you are, and, and, and I, let me say that, that these are the kinds of connections that you and I make when we have sober thoughts in our, our brain. I don't mean like not intoxicated with alcohol. I mean, sometimes when you're going through a difficult season, we don't, we're not thinking soberly and we actually choose to isolate ourselves even more. That's totally understandable. I get that. I understand that. Where you just feel like, I just don't want, and you know, we, 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 we say things like, I don't want to burden anybody else, but the reality is, is that we just don't know how to like open up and be real with people. But there's such a strength that comes. There's such a, a there's something that they had. That's why I say if we could jump in their world, if we could take a time machine and go back 2,000 years ago, and just like dwell with some of those people and to watch how their families interacted and, and, and listen to the kind of things that they would say to each other and challenge each other with, we would just go like, there's no one living in isolation here. Like they know what's going on in each other's lives in a, in a healthy way. This, this church was connected and they were strong. The book of Hebrews tells us that, that we're not to, it, it warns a group of Christians that had been getting too busy in their lives and they were forsaking gathering together. That would be on, on the first day of the week. That would be in the other times that they would have gatherings for prayer and meetings together. And, 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 and the apostle Paul who wrote that, he, he said, <clears throat> Like, don't forsake the gathering, the assembling of yourselves together. Don't get too busy where you can't be connected. There's something that comes when we're connected. We're stronger. We grow spiritually because other people are in our lives, iron sharpening iron. But when we're isolated, it creates opportunities for trouble. That's when we can get ourselves in a lot of trouble. We, we can think unsober thoughts about God. We can think things that are untrue about our lives. Or we can start going down a, a spiral. Uh, you think about just practical things, like, you know, some of you guys will maybe be doing a barbecue later today, and you throw some coals on there that will make your meat taste better, and it's probably bad for you. But, you know, there's always that one little coal, right, that just sort of stumbles away from the pile of, of coal, and, and that's the one that dies the quickest. That's the one that loses its heat. There's, there's something amazing about just staying connected. You get in trouble when you get isolated and sort of out there on your own. Or to use another crude illustration, might as well, Happy Mother's Day. Uh, you know, like an animal you know, planet, you know, just watching like some, oh, look at these little zebras. And then, oh, look at that cute little baby zebra. Like, oh, wow, it's like a crocodile is using his flosser for his teeth right now. What happened? Dude, you got to stay. Well, you just got to stay next to the slower zebra. That's what you need to do. But you got to be connected. You got to stay connected. Believers can lose their passion for the Lord, their strength in their lives when they start to get isolated and sort of move away from being connected to the body. Paul talks about this in, in, when he writes to Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, Paul says, flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace. But then he says, along with those who call on the Lord 
from a pure heart. He didn't say, Timothy, here's your assignment. Build these virtues in your life. Start pursuing these things. Run away from the stuff that's dangerous in your life and tempting in your life. Start pursuing and building these things in your life all on your own. No, he says, along with, along with a gathering of people that you're connected with that can help you grow and mature, right? It's, it's vital that you and I journey through life in this life of faith with other people who are on the same journey. So they were connected as a church. Number two, uh, as we look through this, this story and as you read through the story of the book of Acts, is that they had a genuine love for people. They had a genuine love for people. Uh, does anyone irritate you in your life? Is there a Christian that like this irritates you? This gets under your skin? I, I mean, come on, moms, let's just be real. It's Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Yes, there's people. This, this, they didn't, it wasn't like there was this kumbaya, just, just feeling so good about life and Jesus, and man, we just all get along. Right? That's not what happened. You go through a couple chapters, and, and they started actually, what, what some would actually describe is sort of like racism in the church, where some of the Greek-speaking women who were widows were not being taken care of as well as the Hebrew-speaking widows. And someone just said, like, hey, can I just call something that I see? Like, she got, like, two fishy crackers, and this person has, like, a T-bone steak. Can we, can we, like, care for people equally and love people? And so, right, it wasn't like they didn't have issues. They had issues, but they had this genuine love, and it went beyond lip service. Here's what John writes in 1 John chapter 4. He says, this is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us, and send his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. The church is known for lots of things in the world and certainly in, in America, right? Uh, some churches will be known for, man, they've got great preaching. I mean, they just have the best, you know, dynamic speaker. Some churches are known for just incredible worship or a heavy emphasis of prayer. And all those things are good. There's some bad things that churches can be known for, right? That, oh, that church is clicky or that's a super critical church or judgmental group of people. Uh, those are some of the bad things that churches can be known for. But, but there's one quality that Jesus said should be the marker that, that you are the body of Christ. Do you know what it is? Love. That's it. Every other thing that happens through a church, all the good that happens in the world, and there's a lot of good that happens in the world through the Christian, through the body of Christ, through the church, all of that is an outflow of this genuine love for God and this genuine love for people. Jesus says, all will know that you are my disciples by the way you love one another. They'll all know you're my disciples. Everyone will know that you belong to me. Peter says, above all things, have a fervent love for one another. It's a word that, that is used to describe an athlete straining towards victory, effort to have this unselfish love for other people. It means that they had this connection as a church, but they had this genuine love, and it was authentic, it was real, 
And it means that they actually took time to build that kind of a connection, to actually receive love and give love to one another. That takes bravery, right? You think of the ways that, you know, in our very, very busy, busy lives, right? How, how can we get more connected? This is why we do like our men's connection mornings and our women's nights and, uh, and, and groups and, and encourage you to get connected to people's lives so that you can actually experience that rich relationship, but also be able to not only receive love, but to pour it out in other people's lives. How will we know who needs love unless we can be real? There's a lot of, uh, well, right? I guess we're all kind of hypocrites at some point at church, right? Or people ask you like, hey, how are you doing today? What's your response? <laughs> like, do you have a half hour? <laughs> we say fine, right? Fine. It's always fun, uh, especially when, you know, right, we, had our, we had our youngest granddaughter with us last night. We're exhausted. Uh, <laughs> she's with us like, what is it, eight hours? Like a total of like three hours awake. Anyways, uh, our little Autumn was with us. So uh, yeah, I got to wake up this morning and we had some pancakes and eggs and stuff. But raising kids can be challenging when they have to stay in your house, right? Like they live with you. You're like, wait a minute, is this like a 24-hour thing? And the nurse is like, yes, you have to take them now. Uh and there's times that, you know what I mean, the whole household would have some disruption, a disturbance in the force, and we would come to church, and then, you know, I got to be the pastor. It's not like I can get everybody like, guys, I've been working all week on a sermon, but I'm gonna, I lost it this morning, and so here's, you know, my therapy session. Let's talk. Here's what went wrong this morning. And then people would say, hey, how you doing, Gordon? Like, oh, I'm fine. I'm like, freaking liar. Like, you're such a liar. And the kids are like going, uh, I, Elsie, don't look at your dad like that. And they're like, your name's not dad, your name's liar, because you keep telling lies. That's when healing comes in people's lives, right? When, when you can be a part of a community that's so connected, that has the ability to show genuine love, like that's when healing comes in people's lives, that's when freedom comes in people's lives. You know the freest people in our community are the folks who went to um, AA this morning, right? The ones who were honest. Uh, my, my brother's a part of the recovery community here in this town, and he would always tell me, like, Gordon, you're, you're only as free as your secrets. But if you can't find a group of people that are followers of Jesus where you can actually, like, take off the layers and go... This is the real stuff that's happening in our household. This is the real drama that's happening in my marriage. This is what's happening with our child. Like, this is what our world is revolving around. Like, doctor's office visits, counseling sessions, fear in the middle of the night. I don't know what's going to happen. Until you can actually be connected to a group of people like that, how will you ever receive that kind of genuine love where it actually can bring healing and freedom in your life? It's a powerful thing, right, when we're real. Paul says in Romans 12 that we're to rejoice with those who rejoice and we're to weep with those who weep. 
I found in my 52 years of life, my 30 plus years as a Christian and a lot of years as a pastor, that those are like parallel tracks in a person's life where there's people that you can rejoice with today and there's people who are weeping today and you can weep with them. It's constant. It's always going on. This is why it's so important to be connected to a local body, a fellowship, connection, genuine love. Have you ever hurt your, like your little toe? Isn't, is it, does anyone have depth perception issues like I do? You're walking around a corner, just like, you know, it's not the Indy 500. I don't need to like hug this corner so tight. And then your little toe's just like, you know what I wonder? I wonder, I wonder what it'd feel like if I could just stay connected right here to this little corner and snap and blah, right? Amazing how your mouth is connected to what just happened to your little toe. That's, it's, when people are weeping, the church body has to gather around the people who are weeping. The people who are scared, the church body has to gather around those people who are scared. The people who have unknowns in their life, I don't know what's going to happen. That's when the body of Christ has to get around. And you've got to be connected, and you've got to receive genuine love. They accepted each other where they were, right? Bring your stuff. Don't ever, don't ever feel like I have to pull it together to be a part of a local church. That, that has to be the biggest lie the enemy could tell somebody. The biggest lie. I remember when we first started RVC, we were at the movie theater days. Some of you guys were part of, part of that, those days. It's awesome. We could sneak into movies afterward. It was great. <laughs> and, uh, and so um, I remember this one girl from the gym. A lot of, we had a lot of gym rats at that time um, coming, and, and I remember this one girl from the gym who invited a bunch of times, and she was not, she was just like a, you know, not church girl, not a, you know, growing up in church, kind of a notorious partier in our community. And, uh, and so I remember when she showed up, I was just like, oh my gosh, you're here. I mean, I like make it like so obvious, like, wow, you're here? I can't believe it. But I remember, I remember her saying these words. This is so crazy. Like, I'm thinking about it right now. I remember her saying, I sat in my car, and I, and I, and I almost heard a voice say, don't go inside there. They won't accept you. What kind of an environment have we created? What kind of environment have, like, past generations created that a person with brokenness and, and maybe some, I just wonder if Jesus is legit and real. They, they'd actually feel like that that wasn't the safest place to be on a Sunday morning. Like, that's the kind of stuff that ought to be happening in a local church. And they challenge each other to grow. Like, part of love is telling the truth, right? Confronting when we see some potentially devastating decisions. Paul says, if, if, any one of you is caught in some transgression, some mess. You're making decisions and you're getting in trouble because of those choices. You who are spiritual, go and restore. Saying that this ought to be a place where there's restoration. This isn't sin sniffers, you know what I mean? Where you just sort of go like, hey, well, I wonder what kind of music you've been listening to because I could see some changes in your attitude or, you know, sniffing around each other's life. 
A church of love will overflow with grace, overflow with forgiveness, bring healing, be patient, challenge, and reach out when you don't see somebody for a while. Love does, Jesus said, no wrong to its neighbor. It means that we have each other's backs. That would be genuine love. It means that when somebody brings up a friend of ours' name, that we don't just go like, well, you've only heard half of it. Let me tell you the rest, and then we can pray for them. No slander, no gossip. Some of these things we're going to explore this summertime when we talk about the one another's of the New Testament. They were connected. They had a genuine love. Number three, they were generous. They had generous hearts. They were a giving church. This is when you know God's doing something amazing in your life. When Jesus becomes more important than your possessions. Now, this wasn't like communism. This wasn't like, you know, demanding like everybody, you know, give up your goods, right? Because uh, we want to take care of people. It said that they had all things in common. All who believed were together and they had all things in common. They were, verse 45, selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And then verse 47, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Without pressure from leadership, they just saw needs and they just took care of them. That's probably one of the funnest things for me as a pastor to see is just to watch the interaction and the care and the meeting of needs within a local church like RVC. Something just gets, you know, something that this compassion that Jesus produces in us, this kindness in us, like you find out that somebody's going through a hard time. This is something that Tammy and I experienced at a, at a massive level this last year. As you guys know, many my uh, she pushed me down in December. I had knee surgery. Uh, so that was a trial. Uh, went through a little bout uh, of uh, former leukemia last year and had treatment. Man, just the outpouring of love. We just were cleaning out our closet the other day and uh, looking at just piles of cards and encouragement from you guys and from from a lot of different people. Uh, meals that would come or gift cards that would come. It's just like so practical. It's just so practical. Can I give you some encouragement? Is Instead of asking someone, hey, let me know if there's something I can do for you, just say, hey, um, we want to bring this over to you. Is today a good time or is now a good time, right? Is there, we, we are just, I mean, how awesome is it now? You don't even have to interact with people. You can just send them a little gift card on a text message, right? Just like, oh, I did my good deed. Do more than that. But I'm just saying you can do things like that. Taking care of somebody's yard when someone's in the hospital. It's amazing. It's, it's amazing how strong all of you guys are, right? And our moms, man, some strong mamas here today. But there is a last little, like, needle or leaf that gets dropped on, you know what I mean, somebody's shoulders, and it just feels like, okay, I think I'm exhausted now. I think I'm done. I think, I've, I, think I, I think I have to tap out. Like, in those moments when you see someone, you just say, you know what, I just want to, as a a small little gesture, just help kind of build you up a little bit, right? The Bible says that we're to bear one another's burdens. It could be financial help. It could be prayer. If you're committed to pray for somebody, they're going through a difficult time, grab a little journal. We got little booklets in the back. Grab a journal and just start keeping track of people's names and just go, you know what? 
this is a long haul kind of prayer. You know what I mean? Like there's things that we have needs for. Um, hey, I'm looking to get a new job. I'm not saying that for myself, like my job, but you know, you know, that's like a, hey, they got the new job, right? And then there's bigger things, right? Uh, struggles with mental health. Might be a struggle with a child who's going to have some, you know, a, a difficult journey. Might be a difficult time in a marriage, right? And that's when it's like a long haul prayer. So, yeah, some of it's not financial, but some of it's like, could you get up on a daily basis and just go, Lord, I'm going to continue to bring this family and this situation before your throne until you bring some relief, until you come through and answer this prayer. It could be that you meet with somebody for coffee for an extended period of time. You just say, hey, I just want you to know, like, I'm going to meet you here every Friday morning, and we're going to have coffee. And, and if you want to talk about what's going on, talk about what's going on. If you want to talk about uh, the Lakers and that crybaby cheater, LeBron, uh, you want to talk about whatever you want to talk about, we could talk about it. I love it. It's awesome watching, going to coffee shops, and then you seeing people having connection and stuff. You just know, like, there's a sharing of burdens. It's a new world we live in, right? We don't live in a village next to each other where you can hear each other yelling and arguing and <laughs> fighting with your kids. Now we got to be a little bit more real, Right, but it's awesome when you see that happening. Those kinds of connections—they had this generosity about them. They saw problems and needs, and they took the initiative to be the solution. Jesus says, "Love one another as I have loved you." Again, John, the apostle, he writes in First John three. He says, "We know what real love is because Jesus gave up His life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters." If someone has enough money to live well and sees his brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Glad and generous hearts they had. They removed the compassion. They met the needs as they came up, and they were joyful about doing it. Joyful about doing it. I remember way back in the day, there are two churches, honestly. I was thinking about this morning. I was praying. I sent my buddy Brad uh, Bell a text. They're opening up their new campus this morning uh, over there off of Knees. And uh, super excited for them as a church family. I got a chance to do a little tour. He showed me around. I asked him, where's my office? He says, it doesn't work like that. But we were. Ch- uh, so I, was, I was thinking about him. I was thinking about our, fa- our, our, our community. And, and way back in the day, back maybe some of you guys might have been Christians back in the day when Northwest was a big old church in town and People's Church was a big old church in town where G.L. Johnson and Beef Character were the pastors. Those two would gather. They would meet together. They, they were like, I mean, ebony and ivory. I mean, they were just not like, you know what I mean? They, they were definitely two very different, you know, dudes. But both loved the Lord and both wanted to see people come to Christ. Well, they pray often together. I remember I, I, I got to be a part of the staff at People's Church for a little season of my life. And uh, I remember in one of our prayer gatherings as a staff, GL got, got up and he talked a little bit about like, being compassionate. And he said, he said, you know, um, I was, I was praying uh, a couple weeks back with Buf Character and we were praying together. And Buf brought up a, a person's name in the, our prayer time and just prayed for them. And, uh, and, and he goes, and we just continue just to pray and pray for the needs that we know about in our community. And he says, and, and then Buf stopped in his prayer and says, you know, Lord, I want to take that prayer request back. I'm going to take care of that need. And I thought to myself, like, what a, what a 
weird prayer meeting, but how awesome was that? Like, it's, listen, what, what they're talking about here, like, yeah, we need prayer. But sometimes you just need someone to watch your kids, right? Sometimes you just need a ride from a doctor's office. Sometimes you just need like a, a break and just someone that you could just cry on the shoulder a little bit to and, and just have somebody with you as you go through the pains and the struggles of life. Sometimes God shows us a need. We see a need and we go, wow, that's a big old need. And you know what? The reason why God's showing it to you is because you're the solution. You see something and you go, you know what? God, maybe you're talking to me. Maybe I can actually meet that need. It's amazing how, it's amazing, we'll talk next week, how daily, every single day they existed, somebody was becoming a believer. Was it because of their, like, their campaign? They bought Facebook ads? Like, hey, we got hot coffee. You know, whoa, we've got donut holes. You know, you should come to RVC. Uh, if you ever see that on an ad, call me. Because <laughs> I would say we also have cold brew from Cup of Joy, so we can <laughs> let you know about that as well. No, they had nothing. The only thing they had was a group of skeptics who are watching and going, these nuts, they keep meeting together and opening scrolls of the, of the Bible. They keep praying together. They keep worshiping together. <clears throat> and I just see a line of people caring for one another. So-and-so had this issue, and they got some food dropped off. What's-his-face's child's going through this difficulty, and there's people who are gathering. And it says in verse 47, and day by day, the Lord was adding to the church those who were being saved. Of course, the preaching was happening. But more than that, the fruit of this connection with God, this fruit of this connection with people, actually just brought about this massive change in the community. They were connected if you're not connected today, if there's someone who doesn't know what's really going on in your life right now, that's a problem. You need to fix that. They had a genuine love for one another. They certainly had this generous hearts that they would actually take care of needs. But number four, we could see that they used their gifts to serve one another, right? That's what being generous is all about. As the church grew and expanded, so did the roles and the needs and the opportunities to serve and to pour into other people's lives. You need to know something. When we read through our New Testament, that every single person has been equipped with a gift by the Holy Spirit. Every single one of you, if you're a believer today, every one of you is called to be a part of some work of ministry in our community, in our world. They were uniquely gifted as the body, <clears throat> As the body has its unique design and function, every one of us has been given a gift. Paul will talk about it in Corinthians. He said, like, because I'm not the hand, do I say, like, well, I don't need you because I'm not the hand, I'm the eye. Like, oh, well, I'm not a foot. I, I don't need you. Like, I'm, I'm the ear. It's like, no, we all need each other. And everyone has been uniquely gifted uh, and designed by God to function and to use those gifts. Greg Glory in, uh, in the book, Start to Follow, he says, the church needs you. It needs your involvement, your gifts, your encouragement, and your faith. It's so important. 
God wants to use your life to be a blessing to others. Paul will tell us in Ephesians 2, verse 10, he says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Every day as they gathered, they would see needs, and someone would have a gift, a unique design, and they would actually like just live it out. They just walked it out. We are saved, as some have said, to serve. We see it in the expanding story of the church growing in the book of Acts. Uh, when we read in chapter 6 that some of the widows weren't being taken care of, they're like, you know what? We've got to continue to pray and preach the apostles, so let's raise up some deacons and start taking care of needs and take care of them in a good way. We read uh, later on in the, bo- in the book of Acts, we read of a, a lady named Dorcas. And she might have said, you know what? I can't preach. And think of the bullying she had with that name growing up, <laughs> right? Tabitha, it means like something, it must mean something awesome, or we can ask her parents when we get to heaven. And Dorcas, you know the only thing that she knew how to do was knit. How, like, cool is she in today's world? She could knit, and she would knit and she would just whittle those little old fingers, and she would make shawls and coverings for all these widows. She ends up dying, right? And, 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 and they call Peter's in another town, like, and they're like, dude, come here. <clears throat> we don't need James resurrected, who was beheaded. We need Dorcas back. We need more blankets. We need practical stuff. And as Peter's walking into town, All these ladies start showing her work of art, going like, and she made this for me. And now I don't freeze to death at night. I mean, it's a different world, gang, that they're living in. It's amazing. That's what happened in the early church. It's awesome to see over the years at RVC, as you guys know, uh, this church is built every single week on the shoulders of of guys and girls who actually make RVC a reality. You look around at all that it takes to make a church uh, happen. In the early days, we used to have two trailers in the early days. You know how hard it is to get one person to pull a trailer? We had two trailers in the early days because everything was at the, we get to store everything here. Uh, And a year and a half ago, somebody stole our one trailer that we had. So if you ever see it, RVC driving around, just go like, hey, um, I think that that belongs to a friend of mine. The setup crew, the tech, sharing God's word with our kids, cafe, greeters, ushers. One thing I know, one thing I know is when you and I step out of our comfort zone, we see an opportunity to serve, we find that sweet spot for our lives, right? Serving and caring and ministering. Where, where you're feeling some fulfillment, like, man, I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. You feel like you're being fruitful, like, man, it's making an impact. And, and you're having fun while you're doing it. You will grow. You'll grow as a Christian. A lot of times people say, I just really want to grow as a Christian. I'll ask them, are you serving anywhere at your church? Are you serving anywhere in your community? No, I just want to, like, listen to more podcasts. I'm like, like, like stop listening to 15 Bible studies a week. Unless they're mine so I could build up my own podcast and make it get more numbers, run it through there. Your problem is you need to give out. There's two bodies of water over in Israel. 
the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee. The Dead Sea is a container. Water pours into it, and it has no outlet. And that's why there's nothing that's living inside of it. It's just filled with more and more salt, right? And then there's the Sea of Galilee. It has an outlet. One is lifeless and barren. The other one is beautiful and alive. And that's the way it is in your spiritual life. God pours into you. People pour into you. But you've been given something to give away and to bless another's life. Maybe God, way back in the day, in the early days, you know, we prayed for people and stuff, but somebody came up and said, like, I know that there's needs when people are here on a Sunday morning, and, and, and people are leaving with the same burdens that they came in with. That's a sad thing as a church family. And so that's how our prayer team got going. That's when you write a prayer request in and drop it on a box, or you go and pray with somebody over here, or you send it in on our website or our, our app or, uh, you know, um, an email, there is a group of people that like are literally praying for the needs that you write down on those things. It all was born out of a seeing a need. God strategically put them in a local body to be used by him to build that church up. Every member, it's been said, is a minister, every one of us, to use our design, our gifts, to build up the body of Christ. When you think about this early church, and we'll wrap up our little short series, The Birth of the Church, next Sunday. You think about today, you think about the fellowship, being committed to the fellowship. Questions that I want you to ask yourself. Do you have believers in your life that pour into you and that you pour into? Are you connected today? Is there anyone in your life? Maybe you're new to the church. They say like, yeah, I need. I don't know how to get connected. Can you jump in one of our next men's breakfasts or women's gatherings and just meet some people? On Sunday morning, stick around and say hi to people, get to know people. It doesn't happen immediately. It's not, it's not like that we have this fake, you know what I mean, kind of like authentic, you know, connection, like, like, oh, I just met them and I told them my whole life story. It's like, of course we got to trust people. Of course we have to know people. But are you connected? If you're not, get connected to some people. Do you have people in your life that pour into you? Does anyone know who you truly are? Do they know what you struggle with? Do they know your marriage? Do they know your kids' lives and situations? Anyone who's making you more Christ-like because it's iron sharpening iron. They're challenging you with choices that you're making. They're challenging priorities that you have for your own life or your family's life. And are you doing that for somebody else? Are you... Are you able to receive genuine love because you're connected? Are we growing as a church in generosity? Are we using our time and our gifts to make a difference in another's life? Luke, the author of this book, he says they devoted themselves. Great effort. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. That takes commitment. That takes People willing to say, I've got to lay down some of my walls, and I've got to allow people to come into my life, and I've got to also be willing to pour into others. That's our hope. That's our prayer. That's why, that's why, we, that's why we do a church. That's why, we, that's why it's so important for us to continue to start churches, by the way, right? Because it gets new opportunities out into communities in, in areas of our community where, where there's people who are in just the same amount of need as everybody here in the early days of the early, early church.
That's why it's so vital to be connected to a local church family.